This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. and welcome in to episode 242 of Film Tank. As per usual, Alex Diekman here with you, along with my good buddy, Nick Cheney. Oh, I think you're a good buddy, too. Thank you. <laughs> also here with us this evening is Tucson Egan. 24 hours? That's like three weeks. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't get that. So, uh, and then moving on, um, our favorite—not favorite, but our most frequent uh, guest host, Anna Bodazadu, is gracing us with her presence again. Welcome, Anna. Thank you for welcoming me. Hello. You can't see me, but my arms are definitely cheering as being the most frequent guest. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was great. My arms are definitely cheering. That's awesome. Uh, so on this episode, we are reviewing Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic, Jaws. Uh, this episode was suggested by Anna, and I, for one, will say that I am very pleased to see that she suggested it, because uh, this was the fourth time that I sat down and watched this film in its entirety that I remember and I've now liked this more every single time that I've watched it. So uh, I'm pumped that you suggested this, and it gave me a reason to rewatch it. And also something I will get into, uh, at least in my opening remarks, that, oh boy, is this timely. And I, I didn't even think it would really be other than the mayor, but boy howdy, is there some, there's some themes landing. Uh, so... Um, for anyone who has not seen Jaws, which I, I would definitely suggest you do before listening to this episode, uh, Jaws surrounds a killer shark that unleashes chaos on a beach community. It is up to the local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt down the beast. So the film was directed by Steven Spielberg uh, in early effort of his uh, and definitely one that put him squarely on the map uh, in terms of big-time directors. Uh, it's based on uh, the novel by Peter Benchley uh, that actually was released after the film was um, planned. So this wasn't like a classic book that people read and said, oh, you should make that a movie. Uh, it's just the studio or um, people at the studio heard the idea and thought it sounded great as a movie. And then they decided to make it. 
So the film has three main characters uh, that most people know pretty well from this quite iconic film, including Roy Scheider as Chief Brody, also Richard Richard Dreyfus as Hooper in a pretty early role for him as well, not quite like American Graffiti early, but pretty early, and uh, Robert Shaw playing the role of Quint. We also have some other appearances here by people including Lorraine Gray, or sorry, Lorraine Gary, who I think she shows up in quite a few of the really bad sequels. Um, also, uh, the role of the mayor is played by Murray Hamilton, uh, as who I mentioned is absolutely delightful uh, in this movie. So that's all the, uh, the facts for Jaws. And um, if you guys are all right, I think I will go first, if that's okay. Please do. Okay. So... I've, I've, you know, always been a fan of Jaws, even if I wasn't a huge fan of the entirety of the film in my, you know, younger years. Um, I knew of Jaws very early on, um, and it's interesting history. And I made a lot of trips to Universal Studios during my youth. Um, you know, not a ton, but definitely um you know quite a few and went on the jaws ride uh at universal studios florida which unfortunately is now gone uh but um it was a very entertaining ride very fun uh to see all of the effects that went into that ride and also um very interesting to learn the history of that ride as uh when it opened it didn't really work at all. It continuously broke down and they had to redo the entire attraction uh, as all of the effects basically were worthless and Universal sued the company who built it. It was a whole thing. Uh, but the updated ride was a lot of fun, which which leads me to, to this film because the history of this, even if you want to not even talk about the movie, which I think is fantastic, uh, the history of the shoot of this film is just really... Uh, something that could be a whole film by itself, um, whether it's uh, the cast, uh, which included uh, Robert Shaw, who apparently was just pretty much like just a cusp, just a little bit less than like Marlon Brando in terms of difficulty dealing with on set, uh, as apparently he was continuously drinking and was also just very difficult to uh, wrangle in. Uh, the Oof. fact that they, they, they made a very uh, interesting uh, and cool decision, uh, but also very challenging to shoot the film mostly actually at sea, uh, which had really never been done before in terms of a major motion picture. And it showed at least uh, apparently when they were actually shooting and uh, they made, you know, animatronic sharks to go in the water, which was um, for the most part, an enormous failure. <laughs> Uh, as they continuously were getting damaged and they had to try to figure out how to fix them and have them actually work and uh, ended up basically just using the sharks sparingly and then a lot in the finale, uh, which in all honesty probably really made this film even better uh, because the shark is not a huge character in the film. So anyways... Enough about that and that history uh, of mine with, with Jaws. Also, too, uh, randomly, uh, Time just released a like 
really in-depth magazine uh, on Jaws. And it's, uh, or maybe they didn't just release it, but anyways, it was on newsstands recently and I picked it up and it is pretty great. So uh, I haven't flipped through it, you know, I haven't read everything in it, but I flipped through it and it's, um, it's pretty good. So just uh, something there for you if anyone was interested. But um, as a whole, this film is awesome. Like it has a great tone, I think throughout, it has really good structure. I think the flow is actually pretty good. And I think that this film really does hit a lot of different notes and has them move throughout the entirety of the film in a way that really ties them all together. You know, the first 30 minutes of this film is really like a borderline comedy in a way, other than uh, the girl getting eaten by a shark. There's a lot of moments that are played up for comedy. uh, A lot of, you know, kind of quirky uh, line readings and obviously some very outlandish characters, including the mayor and his anchored jacket. Um, but, you know, I, I love that that first, you know, half hour before we really settle into the idea of, of this town being terrorized by this shark that is um, pretty much ruining their economy, I guess, is the bigger thing than killing people. Um, and uh, one of my favorite parts that I always, like, get a huge kick out of is when Chief Brody is trying to get the other police officer's attention and he just starts waving at him through the window as he's like trying to like very quickly get his attention. And I just love that because it felt very real and also very funny. Um, I thought the three main performances here are all pretty good. I think Richard Dreyfuss is, is, is quite good in this, but I don't think he's quite on par with the other two. Uh, but there are so many moments between the three of them that are so great. And it, you know, even though I love the first hour and 15 minutes of this film, I could have totally dealt with more time with the three of them on the Orca um, at sea, having the relationship that they had as three very different people, very different backgrounds, very different professions, all trying to work towards the same common goal. Um, And yeah, there's just a lot here. There's a lot of great scenes. There's a lot of iconic scenes. I haven't even mentioned the score, which is obviously um, at times very odd and very whimsical, which I actually really love. Uh, And then you have the iconic uh, song or theme that plays, uh, you know, as the shark is coming around through the water, which is pretty much perfect. Um, And there's a lot of other great iconic scenes in this film, whether it's the, uh, the dolly zoom on to uh, Chief Brody uh, early on, which just is so, so cool, uh, especially in a film in 1975. And then also the um, incredible scene with uh, Robert Shaw uh, describing the tattoo he had removed and being on the USS Indianapolis. Uh, and just just hearing him say, you know, just the start of his conversation, or his, his monologue, when he's describing the idea of this being an extremely secret mission. So there was no, there was no, you know, nobody knew they were there. Nobody was hearing their signal. So they were pretty much on their own in shark infested waters. Um, And I feel like that is almost as terrifying as anything we see on screen uh, in this film. So I've got a lot more to say. I really do, really do enjoy this film. It's grown on me a lot over the years. Uh, I think my initial rating 
was probably a star and a half below where it is now. Um, and I, I think this is just a, a wonderful film and I like pretty much everything about it. So enough of me talking about how great this is. Move on to whoever wants to go next and I look forward to talking more about it in the uh, general comments section. I will go next. Okay. Uh, so this is my first time actually watching Jaws. Um, it's bizarre to say that. It's another one of those films that I feel like has seeped into the cultural consciousness to such a point that like all the most iconic moments from the film have either been referenced in other um, sorts of avenues of pop culture like The Simpsons or what have you, or have been transformed into GIFs uh, that have sort of percolated across like social media and you just understand what the mood and the context of that of that is, but just actually sitting down and watching the film as a whole, it's a fucking great film. It's a, it's, it's a, it's honestly kind of, kind of baffling how great it is. It's a fucking slasher with a shark and it's a nautical themed adventure film. And I, and I love it for that. Um, the cinematography, uh, especially in the opening where you have like the guy who's like trying to, to go after the girl who's like swimming into the, uh, in, into the ocean. And like, he just passes out on the beach and like the, the, the sunset is just like setting in the background. It's just so fucking beautiful. There's so many great shots in this. Um, the actual uh, first kill of the movie is so shocking and so visceral of just watching this woman being thrashed back and forth in a body of water. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like on par with anything that I would see from like a Jason film. It's, it's Dude, like, it's pretty. How, how about a child being turned into a pool of blood in oh, a PG movie? Oh my Damn. God. Oh my God. That is, that is fucking wild. It is actually <laughs> fucking wild. Um, I love, uh, Brody. I love Roy, uh, Scheider. Um, the, the, the lead actor for this. I, I can't remember seeing him in anything else. I think this might be his, his main uh, claim to fame. And like, holy shit, he was so good. Like, it, it's... it's uh, just, just really quickly, he's also well-known from The French Connection, which I actually have never seen, but uh, uh, he uh, plays... I believe he plays opposite Gene Hackman in that. I, I've never seen... I'm sure Nick can confirm or deny that, but I know he's a main character in it. I know he's uh, in it, but actually I've never seen that. Oh, wow. Surprise. Well, that's another one. We'll guess, uh, I guess we'll have to put on the board. Uh, another, another classic. Um, but yeah, he's absolutely great in this. He, he really does sell that whole vibe of being like an everyman, uh, a former city slicker who, who came to Amity uh, Island in order to like, sort of just like get away from what was presumably like the, the crime infested sort of uh, vibe of, of the time. And, and the, the, the first scene when he's on the beach, like after, um, after uh, they discover the body, when he's being harassed by some like old guy who's like, Oh yeah, I know you, you don't go in the water. And he says, that's some bad hat, Harry. I'm just like, Oh my God. I know that I've heard that before so many times. It's the, uh, the name of that the, the production company at the end of every episode of House. And it's like a little animation of that scene. 
Yeah. What 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 uh what is that production company responsible for? Uh house. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That now now I'm remembering. Um I had the same reaction as you when I saw that scene. I was like, oh my God, I know exactly where the, what that is. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just another one of those moments where it's just like, yeah. I've, I've heard this before. It's seeped into every single other corner. Um, I have to, to, to pay mind to like two particular cinematography uh, choices in this. Uh, the use of a split diopter um, shot, which I was not, I, I, had only recently been introduced to that sort of convention through Jordan Peele's Us. And I've learned that it is actually become uh, more, uh, it's been more used as of late. Like I know Jaws is really famous for it, but also um, even the first episode of Lovecraft Country uses it in like sort of like the, uh, like one of the last shots of that episode. Um, But here where it's like, compressing the foreground and the background where like you see Brody, who's like, uh, like, um, looking at somebody and then you see like the, 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 the clear water behind him. It's like, it's really, really cool. And the dolly zoom, when he realizes that somebody is being attacked in the water where it just like, does like sort of like vertigo, like, like a, a, a zoom in is just so disorienting. And it's just like, Oh my God, that totally captures the feeling when you're just like, oh shit, something's going down. Like, it's just like, you need to like zone in and get, get shit done. Um, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love the character of Quint. Quint is this surly, just, just kind of an asshole character, but like he, he has a heart of gold. <laughs> he's He's been through some shit and he knows his shit. And like, I like seeing the sort of like, uh, um, the comedy foil of, of, of Quint and Hooper sort of like going at one another, sort of the sort of like class divide. And then eventually them sort of like over time, spending so much time together, sort of mending that and like comparing like wounds and battle scars and shit like that. It's just such a typical bro thing, but like, it's also kind of endearing at the same time. Cause it's like, Oh, they're friends now. I like that. Um, the shark special effects are fucking great in this. I, I love it. Uh, that shark is absolutely fucking terrifying. I'm so glad that it is is dead. It's dead and it's not coming back. Um, what else? What else? The humor in this is really good too. I'm trying to remember like a couple of, of jokes that really stuck out to me. Um, the one that I referenced in the beginning where it's like, uh, they're, they're talking about how they want to shut down the, the beach for like 24 hours or something. And like everybody in the, the, the conference hall is like complaining. It's like, like 24 hours is like three weeks. So I'm just like, the fuck are you talking about? Um, there's another one where like, like Quint has this, uh, this, this really crude, see shanty about a girl named hannah and i was just kind of aghast at that because i had to like go back and re-listen to it i'm just like oh my god that is so fucked up um but yeah i i love this film i think it's great i think it's a great it's a great slasher film it's a great adventure film it's a great bro film canonical bro film uh yeah uh i'm gonna pass it off to somebody else i'll go back Yay. Yay. Okay. Um, well, for, 
first of all, thank you so much for taking my suggestion for this film as an episode. Honestly, I'm surprised that you guys didn't do one before because it's such a classic. And also it is on the opposite spectrum, if you want to think of it that way, from Cabin Fever. So <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so... Um, this was not my first viewing of Jaws. It was actually actually my second viewing of Jaws. I don't know why it took me um, so long to watch this film, but I'm so happy that I finally did. And ever since I watched it the first time, it's been like consistently in my uh, in my top films I think I've ever seen. Um, and it's so cool because not only is it a product of its time, it is literally the first blockbuster ever. Like in 1975, summer before the summer of 1975, blockbusters weren't really a thing. But because this did so well in summer, uh, in at the summertime, it was kept in theaters for so long, specifically because the turnout was so good, and thus you know re it rearranged the economy of um, theatrical releases, which I think is pretty gosh darn cool, and for good reason. Um, so I just really liked this film so much for so many reasons. And I wanted to touch on some things that both Alex and Toussaint have referenced. So um, Alex mentioned the Jaws ride at Universal. There's this YouTube channel called Defunct Land that talks about um, no longer operating amusement park rides. And I want to say the Jaws ride was the first episode that they ever did on that channel. So I highly recommend it for anybody who's into that kind of thing. They talk about old rides from like Universal and Disneyland. And um, I think they go into Six Flags once two things like that. It's super cool and it's super interesting. Um, and um, both Toussaint and Alex mentioned the Dolly Zoom. I always understood that as the Hitchcock zoom. So it's accomplishing that by zooming in and pulling the camera backward at the exact same time, which gives it like that disorienting feel. Oh so my God, it's awesome. It, it's really, really cool. And so whenever I see that accomplished in a film, like especially in Jaws, when it's so iconic, I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Like it's, it's such an... It, it's, it feels like somebody discovered that as a mistake, but of course, since it's, it's, since it's a Hitchcock Zoom, he employed it, and thus we see it happening every so often. Um, and not only is this film, like, apt, one, because it's summertime and nobody can really go to the beach because it's COVID, two, the mayor is, like, a shark attack, in this economy, we can't close the beaches. And, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well, isn't that so apt? Because people, like some people have the same attitude towards COVID, that they, they don't want this very real problem affecting day-to-day -day life when really day-to-day -day life doesn't like the problem doesn't give a fuck about your day-to-day -day life. Like the shark doesn't care about the economy of Abbeville Island. That shark is hungry. That shark is going to eat. So, um, I that shark is going to move in and buy their neighborhoods and then upsell the prices. That shark is going to gentrify Amity Island. You know, no. you're not an Islander unless you're born there. So, um, it's the points of tragedy in this film, I think, are presented in such a good way because some are so simple 
and some are um they're very announced they're very um how do i say this um they're like built up especially like with the first death that we see of um chrissy that was gut-wrenching the one that had me thinking the most aside from the final death of quint is um during the same scene where we find out Alex dies, Alex is the boy that's killed in the water. And then um, sometime later in the film, um, his mom slaps Brody on the face and she's like, you knew a girl died and you didn't close the beaches. And now I don't have a boy anymore. But it wasn't his fault. Yeah. He was forced to keep the beaches open because of the fucking mayor. Well, exactly. Yeah, but exactly. see, that doesn't really matter. But the buck um, stops at him. I either way and it's just like yeah. fuck this sucks and, and the fact yeah. that he, the fact that he knew about it and didn't tell anybody oh man yeah there's a lot there there is mm. a lot there so within the same scene of the boy dying it's implied that that black lab dies because there's a guy calling out for his dog and the dog never comes back like that makes me sad yeah that so, was an interesting little detail to throw in there because that's never it resolved. was I know that was never resolved, but we can assume that dog just never came back. So like that, that like, especially like hit me. Um, But yeah, I just, there's, I love this film so much. And I remember the first time I watched it specifically, which is one of the main differences with how I felt during this rewatch is that the last half of the film largely took place just on the Orca. I felt like that really, really dragged. Like, especially, I remember the first time, like, when they're all having drinks and then Quint uh, tells this story about being on the Indianapolis. Number one, he is very mumbly. So I had a hard time understanding him. God bless his heart. And then um, up until, like, the following morning when the shark really, really starts going for the boat after Hopper gets into the cage... I thought, like, the first time watching it, I was like, this really could have just been edited down, honestly. But now seeing it again, I'm like, wait a minute. I actually think that was a really good pacing for this act of them being on the boat. Because um, prior to that, we do get, like, a more jovial tone of the orchestra when they um, successfully harpoon the shark and then attach the barrels, which I mean, now I understand. I think those barrels are meant to weigh the shark down and not just to track the shark, but I could be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong, please. I feel like they were trying to like slow the shark down to like, you know, really weaken it or whatever. Yeah. Essentially Um, it's so that way a, it, slows the shark but then also if he can't pull if they have enough weight on it it'll stay at the surface so they can always figure out where he is i see okay so it's kind of a dual purpose thing because the first time i watched it i thought it was exclusively to track it because um the way that the, the physics of the barrels looked that they were pretty lightweight but i guess the purpose of them is not necessarily to be lightweight it's meant to be heavy but Regardless, I'm glad that I understood that the second time around. Um, but yeah, so the the my my most favorite part, honestly, and it, this is tragic because we really don't want this to happen as an audience. But the more I think about it narratively, I think it makes the most sense. 
Probably my most favorite part is uh, Jaws straight up going for it when it comes to Quint. And it happens so quickly. There's no, there really is no score to it either. It just happens so fast. And Quint is kind of like anticipating something happening after they lift up the cage and they don't see Hooper in there anymore because they can assume that Hooper isn't dead. I don't think they assume that Hooper's dead. Um, but it happened so fast and it's so sudden and it, oh, it's so gut wrenching. It is so gut wrenching. And, um, right after that, Roy Scheider, he divvies up a plan and he just straight up explodes that shark. And it's just so good. So I really like this film. Those are my opening thoughts. Yeah. I will say real quick before Nick, uh, gives his opening remarks that I do love, uh, that it that it definitely is pretty clear, but it also is is is, is kept a little a little more of like a hint uh, of the um, compressed air tank that was going to come into play because first um, when uh, Hooper is explaining it in like extreme detail what could happen if you drop it or handle it around I'm like oh yeah and then. Uh, the camera lingers on it for just an extra like second and a half uh, uh, when they're actually on the orca. So uh, especially a second time through, that's a nice little foreshadowing that isn't like hammer over the head shit you'd see from some other filmmakers. So I appreciate it. Yeah. And then there, another shot that we see before Roy, Roy Schrader actually puts the compressed air to use is that at one point, I think like, I think it's when the shark is ripping certain things off the boat by like basically pulling the boat with him. Um, uh, Brody sees the compressed air kind of like falling out of place and he pushes it back into place to make sure it doesn't explode. So that also foreshadows us too. So I thought that was cool. Nicholas. Yeah. Woo. Hello there. We watched uh, this for the first time, or you were all you watched it for the first time a couple of years ago with me, right? I that think. is correct. Yeah, yeah, I lost my uh, jaws virginity with this old guy over here. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Gotta say, it was uh, a little more satisfying this time without you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, not the first time I've ever heard that. So uh, that's oh yeah. shit! Uh, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> that is to say I enjoyed it even more this time around. I very much enjoyed it the first time, and I very much enjoyed it this time. I do think there, for whatever reason, is a ceiling for me as to how much I enjoy this, but it's an impeccable film uh, that is obviously, as Anna had pointed out, the progenitor for blockbusters, and summer blockbusters in particular, and for very good reason, because... Uh, just the cast alone is uniformly excellent. Um, in my opinion, the movie really doesn't, and I think this is what keeps me from loving it, but I'm not a fan of the first half hour. There are scenes in the first half hour that I think are fantastic, whether it be the opening scene or the beach uh, scene with the famous Dolly Zoom and a few other things here and there, but I actually don't think that uh, Jaws, the film builds up Amity the Island enough to warrant that first half hour, but that's just me. Um, having said that, I, I think what we do get, particularly in the uh, 
uh, local politics versus the police <laughs> department uh, in that first half hour definitely saves it, mostly because of the performances and obviously uh, because it is very, uh, unfortunately, true to life as uh, no life is sacred for the almighty dollar. And uh, um, But no, I think it is a fantastic movie. I'm like, the, the last hour of this movie when they are on the boat is like impeccable for me. And I, I just wish we could have blockbusters these days that would actually do something like that again, because yeah, it it definitely does feel like it drags in a way that I feel like it's supposed to, because they don't just like hitch their plan and then get on the boat and then high five and then, you know, get the shark. Like they have to, do trial and error, like all three of them have to kind of work together even though they really do not fit together, and that's, the movie never really shortchanges that either, it doesn't really give them a come-to-Jesus moment other than one that's not even when they're sober, which I thought was a very poignant touch for the film, because it doesn't try to say that that night uh, everything, you know, was melded so much as that night everyone was uh, more relaxed and uh less blinded by their own, uh, you know, superfluous uh, personalities and whatnot. But, like, Brody would never really hang out with Quint, I don't think, even outside of this situation, uh, even if he had survived or something. So I love that this uh, adventure really throws them together and um, forces them to essentially tolerate each other uh, for the time being, for the for the greater good. And... Um, yeah, I think the effects still hold up. I mean, obviously, it's a, you know, plastic and rubber shark, and yet it looks better than 99% of CGI things we get uh, since then. And, um, you know, Spielberg was the master of that. I mean, he did this in Jurassic Park, so that's, like, just to have those two films on your resume um, is basically, like, that means that Spielberg himself is the best and worst thing that's ever happened to Hollywood, because he showed what was possible, uh, but then nobody actually knew how to recreate it, uh, in his wake, so, um, He's also really embraced CGI, uh, yeah. in this millennium, and some of it has not been good. I would say that is correct, so I, I think that's, like, an age thing, though, like, yeah. Um, it's kind of like Martin Scorsese doing his de-aging thing in The Irishman, which I don't think looked that great. Like, I think it looked good where I was surprised that it was tolerable, but I didn't think at the end it was worth it, so to speak. Um, whereas, like, I think if he was 30 years younger, he would have been like, well, why wouldn't we get younger actors? Or why wouldn't we just say they're younger? Or whatever. Anyway. But, like, at a certain point, you just kind of, like, like, oh, wait, this, I don't know. It's kind of like when I show my elderly grandparents, I'm like, this is the internet. What? You can buy things on here? Well, yeah, but that's not a real website. No, hold on, I'm buying something. And it's just, anyway. <laughs> um, so, I, I really enjoy Jaws. It's definitely a movie where I, you know, I don't watch it, I mean, too often and that, like I know some people watch it every year every summer and I can totally understand that but I almost like it a little more when I have a little distance from it and so that way when I do revisit it I kind of remember just how majestic it is and it can be and the last thing I'll say is that the John Williams score is terrific I know the uh Dun Dun theme uh gets a lot of like credit and praise obviously for obvious reasons but um, I really noticed this time around his score for 
the more seafaring stuff, which I kind of forgot just how jaunty everything is, like, when they're on the boat. Even though they're in a pretty precocious and deadly situation, the movie doesn't, at least via the score, doesn't really try to hammer home <laughs> uh, that, like, this is peril, and it's more of, like, this is adventurous, and this is fun and whatever, so... I kind of admire that because I feel like now it would be a lot more uh, dark and dirgy and whatnot. So uh, John Williams' score obviously are always fantastic, but uh, it never hurts to not mention it. So or never hurts to mention, I should say. Uh, so yeah, those are my opening thoughts. When you, when you say darker and and uh, w- w- how did you describe it? I said dark and like dirgy, like dirge, you know, like a funeral. Yeah, darker and dirgy. <laughs> I just for a second imagined what if Michael Bay <laughs> recreated this film and it just looked like Bad Boys or Bad Boys Two. Yeah, I, I, I prefer not to think about that. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was actually thinking about this um, like shortly before today. I don't want this film to get remade. It had its moment with its terrible sequels. I hope no studio ever touches it. Oh, they imagine will. imagine uh, the girl uh, who gets attacked uh, when they're on the beach and the dolly shot the the, the dolly zoom uh, zooms in on Martin Lawrence and he's like shit just got real. <laughs> well, maybe if they do do a remake, they can get one black person. In so that would be hey, there was one black person. I saw a black child. Uh, did, you, did you find him? Did you find Waldo? I felt yeah. I found I found the black Waldo. Yeah, I actually was on the. I I, I was reflective, like reflexively looking for black people because like, because I I need to I need to understand what, like how are black people reacting to this. Uh, implicit shark attack and there's not a lot there's maybe one they were and smart not, they didn't go to the beach and i'm not and i'm not sure yeah they're responsible uh, uh there's there's maybe one black person i saw or it might have just been somebody who was really fucking tan i don't know but uh <laughs> let, let me tell you if uh this this film took place in 2020 there'd be a lot of maga hats on that beach oh absolutely you think i'm afraid of some fucking shark <laughs> well and uh, yeah i mean that's pretty uh, well, much the only way to remake something like this in my opinion is to just <laughs> like go f- full tilt into what it was already doing but just piss off some people in the process the moment has finally come yeah <laughs> uh, i still don't think so one so thing i a, i, I yeah, do go ahead. really quickly want to point out because ironically i saw um what was it a, a still from a movie someone had posted a shot which i've seen this movie before but it's been a while from the movie to catch a thief the hitchcock film uh and that has a very not famous but a very uh, prolific beach scene and whatever and i just you know i gotta give steven spielberg credit because those movies are about like 20 years apart and here's the thing you would think that the movie 20 years later i.e jaws um, would be the one that had more salacious bathing suits on the beach. But no, in Hitchcock's movie, uh, I swear he was making sure it's like everybody is going to be sexy. Either the salami is going to be bulging out of these Speedos or the women are going to be wearing curvaceous bikinis or whatever. And I got to say, in Jaws, like nobody looks attractive at all on the beach uh, and I don't mean that in like a general whatever. I just mean that like that's what a beach looks like 
if you actually go to the beach, and I, I applaud. Like, nobody's bathing suit fits. Uh, no one's really wearing anything that's actually kind of attractive. Um, and it's probably par for the course for the era, but uh, it felt very uh, middle-class-esque, whatever. So it, it could, just a thought, it could also be, you know, uh, geographic because... You know, this takes place in the Northeast, and uh, I don't know what that, but, you know, a lot of beach movies are in Caribbean, or right. Florida, And to catch a thief, that's, a, I think, a resort, so I totally get yeah. it. But I'm just saying yeah. it's accurate as far as, oh, like, no. yeah. this is, you know, what they do every weekend, because they've got nothing else to do on Amity Island, and they're all a bunch of uggos. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the politics a little bit more in depth uh, to start with, because I think that that what? is... Yeah, that is something that um, catches my attention every time, and this time really caught my attention. Um, and, and there was one part when they were having the different groups of people going out trying to catch the shark, um, and they're obviously all stupid. Um, you know, they've got like dynamite and blood, and they're all drinking and everything. Well, they're all like, out of towners. They're all in like these like tiny little fishing boats. Like they all have no chance to catch the shark. Um, and there is one line from Chief Brody who's like, you've got too many people in that boat. And I'm just like, social distancing. <laughs> it cannot be together. Come on. Yeah. Um, but, man, everything with the mayor in this is actually so fantastic. And something that is brought up routinely uh, on the Internet. But the fact that uh, he is still the mayor in Jaws, too, is really concerning. That's a scathing indictment of our political process. It is. It is. We the people you know deserve that mayor. You know what? It's accurate. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, even this movie tries to humanize the mayor, like after everything. Technically, I mean, yeah. his, his last yeah. thing. We just, just try to get you to be like. Eh. Maybe he's not all bad. Yeah, because he's like... like I totally was... forgot about that the first time I watched it. Yeah. It's like, my kid was on that beach, too. I huh? was just like, and you still rolled the dice? Exactly. Yeah. He still chose to roll the dice. Oh, yeah. I... No, I mean, he's a whatever. Uh, but obviously, even our current administration doesn't seem to have... If anything, our current president seems to want to sacrifice his children in the end, so... <laughs> well, and and I feel like it does come through a little bit that he is in a position that does have to actually make really challenging choices as he has everybody's everybody's, you know, opinions at at stake and and everything like that. I'm sure he's thinking about re-election whatever, but um uh, it's the fact that they don't tell anyone after the first attack and then they go back and have the uh coroner change his results to a boating accident um that is probably the most disturbing part of that dynamic because that is seriously malicious yeah it is and not only was that malicious but like when uh oh it was after the shark the quote unquote the shark got caught and put on display and there was a photo op and the mayor is like we caught the killer shark like everything's fine now don't worry we can be open for fourth of july um 
first of all, that's proven very quickly by Hooper that that is not correct. Um, oh, fuck that egghead. Oh, yeah. Fuck the scientist. What does he know? Yeah. What are you talking about bite radius? That fancy talk. Get out is, of here. What are you talking about flattening the curve? Fuck your curve. Exactly. So after that, Hooper oh. and Brody try to like go and find the shark or just find anything to prove, basically to prove this whole news wrong. They find a boat where uh, there was that dead body floating inside of it. And Hooper found um, a great white shark tooth in the boat. But he got scared and he dropped the tooth in the ocean. So after that, Hooper and Brody pulled the mayor aside and they were like, listen, that's not the shark. There was no body in the shark that you found. We found a great white tooth attached to a boat uh, that was by some guy. Like he, that guy had a name. I think we saw him previously. Uh, right? I think it was, I think it was Ben Harper. It wasn't Ben Harper, but it's something like that. Yeah, it was someone like that where he died, and the mayor is like, "You don't have the tooth, then? Like you don't have it?" And Hooper's like, "No, I lost it." And the mayor was like, "Oh, okay." So he was trying. He was trying so hard to bathe in his own denial that the good news he shared to his town and to the economy of his town was wrong. Like he was trying so gosh darn hard in his heart of hearts. And the scientist was like, listen, this isn't going to work. Like you I, yeah. he was, he was a denialist at heart, but I also sort of interpret that as it's half a denialist in him. And also thinking about if I were to take this person seriously and close the beach and have all these angry old people being like 24 hours is three weeks and other bullshit <laughs> like that. Um, he has to have some type of material evidence that can substantiate that. I don't, I, I, Does I, he I, know? Does I think he because we have, I think now, you don't. we have, we have the, Oh, it's the virus is just going to go away. It's the same shit. Like it is just like throwing up a prayer the things are just going to turn around when the reality is it's not going to. I will, I, will say, I will say this. I will, I will float this possibility. Okay. Uh, I, I am, I am more willing to believe for whatever reason that this man, this, this, uh, this mayor might have been more inclined to actually act if there was greater evidence than just the testimony of the scientists. And it shouldn't have to have come to that point. You should have been able to just be able to trust this person. But knowing that this person is not only a scientist, but they're also out of town, that they're just not familiar with our ways or whatever the fuck or the rhythm of our town. Like he's just like, uh, it, it's, it's an absolute fuck situation. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, give the mayor a pass. I think he's an absolute douchebag. I hate his fucking face and clothing. Uh, I, he made the total wrong call here. Uh, but I'm just trying to sort of like uh, deconstruct the sort of pathology of thinking that uh, resulted in such a, a hellacious outcome. Well, and he's not like, it, even when we see uh later uh in the scene where chief brody his wife and hooper are drinking uh when hooper comes over for dinner and he's trying to (laughs) 
he's trying to, um, you know, pretty much convince him to go cut open the shark that was caught earlier in the day. First of all, there are two things I love about that scene. The first is uh, Hooper's line where he said, well, that is a theory that I tend to agree with. Pretty much saying, uh, yep, that's true, but in a way that actually sounds proper. Uh, and then uh, we have the other side of the coin where uh, Chief Brody, in one of his only really icky lines, I think, in the entire film, says, oh, well, we can go cut open that shark if we want to. I'm the chief of police. We can do, I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, woo. Oh boy! Welcome to 2020. What else is there? Uh, my favorite line, one of my favorite lines from that actual scene is when he brings the wine and he opens it and uh, the, the scientist guy is like, you want to let that breathe? And he just immediately <laughs> goes to pouring it into a glass. Just he pours a it into a full water glass. It's a full water glass and then pours it into another glass. I'm just like, this man does not give any fucks. He is ready to just get sloshed. Yeah. 2020 mood. Yeah, that was really a big mood. I liked that scene a lot. Um, Something that I found out after I watched this movie for the first time which i thought was honestly so funny and also so apt so the shark that is caught and put on display in the beginning of the film that was actually a real dead shark like that was actually a shark ca uh, carcass that they used in that scene and supposedly it smelled very bad which is so bizarre because you can kind of tell it looks like weird and like rubbery and like plasticky and whatnot but then we get to jaws and boy oh boy did that look real and that is obviously a fake shark so i thought that was kind of funny yeah uh, 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 when, one of the things i was reading is that early on in the production of this film they they kind of were thinking like a almost like a roar type mentality where they were like maybe we can train these sharks and they quickly were like Nope. Maybe I, we can train these velociraptors. I just love that that was a thought for even like a couple days. And they're like, you know what? Maybe we should just make one out of rubber. I mean, at uh, least they used like a real dead shark. Like we got a taste of like something. But honestly, I do agree with you guys that the practical effects and the, the mechanisms of um of jaws really are still fantastic even after all these years like it's just it's the right amount of of gore and scare and and like grandioseness of what the audience should be feeling which is nothing but utter utter fear outstanding chef's kiss Ooh. okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do love, obviously, um, you know, the, the any time that uh, the shark, which uh, was named Bruce, by the way, for anyone who was counting at home, um, <laughs> whenever he appears, uh, and, and as I mentioned in my opening thoughts, it is somewhat sparingly because, uh, and that wasn't the plan, uh, but again, because they had so many problems with the sharks that they had and a lot of the mechanisms they were using to make them do what they wanted that they pretty much turned it into a menacing thing that is only thought of in the viewer's mind which is um well 
that, I mean, it, it worked out really well, I think. Um, but when he does actually show up and he actually is on the boat, uh, towards the end when he, right before he eats Quint, uh, and you just see this enormous shark, like just totally halfway on that boat, pretty much pulling it down into the water. Um, that's a great scale right there. Like giving the audience a real picture of what this shark actually is when all we've heard are, you know, bite radius and, um, you know, a 25 footer and how many tons he might weigh and things like that. Like actually getting a glimpse of what this shark's full body actually looks like is a uh, fantastic moment uh, in this film. And obviously uh, leads to that terrifying moment when Quinn gets eaten, which is, um, pretty much a mere image of him describing uh, hearing other people getting eaten by sharks when he was treading in the water when they were trying to uh, get back home from delivering the bomb in World War II. Oh no, so, it's happening to me! Yeah, I mean, th- that that scene is, is I mean, he is like... like he's getting he's, fucked up. No, he's, he's, he's putting on like an Al Pacino in Godfather Part 3 scream. Like yeah. he is like Steven Spielberg is like scream as loud as you can. That's not going to sound good. Don't care. Just as loud as you can. And like he is terrified. And this is like a you know sailor guy who's been catching sharks for a living, and he's he's pretty much at the most fearful part of his life. Like it's not comical, but it like for me it's like on the cusp of of being close to something like Walton Goggins in Django Unchained, where mm-hmm. he's just like flopping around, like screaming at the top of his lungs. And it's obviously played for comedy in that film and a much different uh, in this film. But at the same time, like it is a like very loud and abrupt death. Um, and it is uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Sharks are bad. <laughs> Sharks are not bad. Sharks are not bad. We just need to learn to coexist with them in a way. Bad. They're not born bad. There's no such thing as a shark that's born bad. So uh, what does everybody think about the finale of this film? Because I fucking love it. I mean, I, I got to say, every time I see the end of this film, I feel like that shark exploding looks like the Death Star exploding in the first Star Wars like it's awesome. It was not yeah. what I was expecting. I expected <laughs> I, I I expected a much more used um, words. No, dumbass. No, that's not what I meant. I meant uh I was expecting like a like an actual denouement of them actually coming back to Amity and like you know sort of like him hugging his wife or whatever, hugging his kids or some shit like that. Like, you know, some shot of them actually like arriving back home. Uh, but the, just to have them paddling uh, back into the, uh, into the, the, the ocean abyss to like, try to like go back home. Uh, the last, the final joke was so understated that I, 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 I kind of respect it for just how, uh, just such how light of an ending it is. And then for the title credits to be um, the scene of the, of the beach itself and the, the waves just like rolling, like back and forth, back and forth. Like I thought that was a, that's an interesting choice. I, 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 I kind of respect it for that. 
Toussaint, I kind of felt the same way as you the first time I watched the film. Like, I also thought it was a little odd that they chose to end it with um, Brody and Hooper, like, just paddling away. I did kind of want, like, something a little bit more. Uh, what are they eaten by another shark? <laughs> it's a little bit more thorough, but at the same time, I think it's just so fitting. I think it is so incredibly fitting that the finale, which is as fantastic as it is, and I totally agree with Alex, and I more than I think I mentioned it already, but I think it is just like the um, the the ending of their journey on the boat. It symbolizes like them ending it on the boat and it's not them ending it when they get on the beach. It's not them ending it when they get back to their homes. It's not Hooper when he goes back to his hometown. Like it's just, that's kind of it. And I think it's really cool in like a very unusual, but still satisfying kind of way. I agree. Yeah. Good call. I think that it, that it lands very well and it's um, a good push off in, haha a good push off into um, the idea that, that this story has now ended um, at least uh, until the sequels. Uh, so, yeah. Also, I don't by the way, I, I, I've never seen it, but apparently Jaws 4 is one of the absolute worst movies of all time. And I really do want to see it. I would totally watch all of these sequels in an entire day if I could. Like, I, I don't care. I totally would. Just seeing like such a good movie only get worse from here as a franchise, sign me up. Like, <laughs> I love how muted the response is to your enthusiasm because I'm just like, ooh, like, like, go with God, homie. That ain't me. <laughs> to be fair, sometimes my enthusiasm is a little bit misplaced and I do get excited for things that I know and anticipate will not be good. That's one of those things this time. You just want to feel something. I just want to feel something. <laughs> uh, so uh, two, two things about Steven Spielberg, uh, one about this film and one just in general. So in his seven year stretch starting in 1975, he did Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. That's quite a fucking run. This motherfucker went in. He did. I mean, that's um, that's quite a run. I mean, and and that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's kind of hard for me because, you know, I've always heard Steven Spielberg when I was a little kid, and you know, he was pretty much the benchmark of Hollywood. I feel like when I was growing up, and I mean, he had releases that were a big deal in my lifetime, like Saving Private Ryan um, or Munich or other things like that. But man, I feel like this guy was just destroying the 1970s and 80s. Um, and, you know, it's hard to, to look back and see that and, and, and not have lived through it. We just weren't alive and conscious during his heyday. Yeah. And it was like, like it was, it's literally that fucking meme with Snoop Dogg where it's just like, this motherfucker does not miss. He like cannot fucking miss. Doesn't matter what genre he's working in. Doesn't matter what characters. He doesn't fucking miss. Yeah. There was one uh, aspect that I totally didn't even notice of this film. Uh, Emily actually pointed it out. 
uh, and I was, and we had to go back and look at it again. But um, oddly enough, during the final shot of the evening before uh, we go to the day where they actually kill the shark, um, there are two shooting stars back to back, and it's really odd. Yeah, um, I actually noticed that too, and I was reading the trivia. That wasn't planned. That was just there. Really? Yeah, they just caught them on camera. That's awesome. Huh. I thought that was too. Okay. Um, also- like, I, I got to say, at first, I had to like, like, I had to do this for myself. I had to like go back and make sure this was way before ET because I was like, oh no, here comes some fucking shared fucking universe shit. Spielberg would never be caught dead doing that shit. (laughs) Is there something you know that I don't know, Nick? No, but I think maybe the older he got, he might be more into it. Oh, wait, he did do... Oh, God, he did do Ready Player One, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I watched the last hour of that a couple weeks ago, and that movie sucks. Yeah, it does. It's not great. Uh, A couple more fun facts about the film. Um, So Robert Shaw, um, at the time, like that, this film came out. He was like a pretty well seasoned um, actor. I think he was like the older than Roy Scheider, and certainly older than. uh, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Yes, I was going to say Hooper, but that's R- Richard Dreyfus, of course, because he was so young compared to everybody else. Rich uh, Robert Shaw had a notorious reputation for having a drinking problem, and there were so many times where he would just like fuck up a scene so badly. And before the day before um, they reshot the monologue that he gave about the Indianapolis. He like called Steven Spielberg crying and begging him to do it again. And the shot that he does the next day is what we see in the film. Um, and also Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw hated each other <laughs> in real life. So I think we kind of see that on screen. I feel like their arguments are not really them acting. And yeah. I, I loved it whenever, whenever Quint would be like, Hooper, Hooper. He would just constantly just bully him at every opportunity to just do something on the boat. And I thought that was so funny. It's even funnier seeing it again. I mean, that that just worked out from a character perspective because, man, um, you know, that's what they both pretty much are. Uh, I love, um, it's so silly, but I love when... um, Quint crushes the can uh, in his hand, and then right after that, uh, Hooper crushes like the small cup you would get at the dentist office in his hand, and it's just like, oh man, that is so dumb, but also uh, that was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. So, uh, we've hit on quite a lot. Any other uh, topics that anybody wants to discuss before we go to final ratings no i love this movie i want to say the last thing about it okay well why don't you start us <laughs> off then tucson well actually tucson there was something i wanted to mention before you give your last review is that okay please please do great thanks um so <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> so um 
like was mentioned previously, Spielberg was is still pretty much is uh, a benchmark when it comes to filmmaking. Um, I think there are some shots in here that are so Spielberg, but I also don't necessarily think that they're cliche because we don't see them done or done as well in other films. So one of my favorite shots in the film is when Hooper is doing the autopsy on um, the first victim, Chrissy, and he is trying to dispute the fact that this was a boating accident, and then he confirms it's obviously a shark attack. So there's at least one, there might be two, there's at least one moment where the camera moves very swiftly with him as he is... um, basically doing his analysis and i just think it looks so cool because it makes a very simple scene very tense and very serious because we can see how serious hooper is by just looking at this dead body that he knows is obviously destroyed by a shark but he takes his time to really inform um brody that this was indeed a shark attack so i just thought that was super cool i'm not sure um how you guys feel about that, but it's just a one part in one scene that I noticed that I thought was neat. Don't smoke it here. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, um, Richard Dreyfus totally commands that scene, uh, either from both of his actions uh, and the way that he asked for a cup of water uh, and he's very nervous and talking away. And obviously the coroner is there like looking at him like, who's this smart guy? Um, and yeah, I mean the, the way the camera moves throughout pretty much the entirety of this film, I mean, I feel like, um, and I don't want to say that Steven Spielberg was just stealing from other people, but I feel like he had a little bit of a shot list here that was like, Hmm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, uh, this, I'm going to steal this from Alfred Hitchcock. And I mean, Hey, you know what? Everybody's taking ideas from other people. So. Um, as long as you're not like literally ripping off dialogue and specific scenes, I, I think it's all good in terms of camera movements and things like that. But um, there's a lot of nods in this film, especially to Alfred Hitchcock. I, I think the music and the tone and the cinematography and obviously some of the actual shots, we mentioned the Dolly shot multiple times, but um, there's a lot of Alfred Hitchcock nods in this, not necessarily in story content, but uh, definitely in terms of, actual feel and uh, effects in terms of music and sound and things like that. And that's what I think is so cool, especially when it comes to art. It's because if you see something you like and it's not plagiarism, it's more so like a nod or a tribute, like by all means, go ahead, man. And I think that is done a lot in Jaws and I think it ends up paying off pretty good. Agreed. So Toussaint, uh, why don't you rush in and give us your final thoughts? Bum bum, bum 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 bum, bum 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 bum. Okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna give this a four out of five because I absolutely love this film and I'm looking forward to returning to it. I thought that like to it's 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 such an interesting experience to watch a film that, you know, sort of colloquially from other films and other television shows and like other works of art and to finally come back to the 
find, to, to, to finally come back to the faucet, you know, so to speak, that by which all these other pop culture references are derived. They all flow from this one point. And to go back to the actual source and the source is still just as as crisp and clear and pristine and fucking wonderful as 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 the references make it out to be. And in fact, just works on a level that could not be captured solely within those sort of jokes and references to it. It's just, yeah, I really fucks with this film. So I'm going to give it a four, four out of five. Right on. Uh, Nick, would you like to go next? Sure. Yeah, so I think I'm going to echo what Toussaint said and say that I'm going to give this a four out of five. It's certainly a classic. Um, It's basically impeccable filmmaking and for very good reason, and I'd watch it any day of the week. Uh, For whatever reason, it doesn't quite have a hold on me on the way that I would like it to but that doesn't mean that it's not good or that I don't enjoy it um but I also know that maybe the more I watch it the more it'll just kind of breathe a little and uh and I'll fall even more in love with it but for right now it's four out of five and I think it is wonderful very good uh Anna you want to go next or you want me to uh I can go and then you can round us off okay Alrighty, I um, checked my rating on Letterboxd to see what I gave it to see if it changed at all, and it, boy, it did not. So um, I give this four and a half stars out of five. Um, I absolutely adore this film. I think it is one of the um, better classics that um, are still like culturally relevant and still in the lexicon. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I knew what Jaws was as a kid, but I knew the Jaws score as a kid. And I think that, I think, I think that we can all, um, relate to that because it is so iconic. And I just think that so much about this film is, um, set up really well and, um, really just gets you attached to all these moments and the the spots where the tragedy is and where the suspense is they're either there's either such good setup or there just isn't any setup at all and i think the combination of those just makes this um such a an interesting way to tell a story about this shark that doesn't care about anything and the police chief that wants to keep his town and his family safe. And I think that is so cool. And there's so much that makes this film so good. So that's why I give it four and a half stars out of five. I'm a huge fan of this. I think this is a fantastic film. Uh, The first time I watched this many years ago, I gave this a three out of five. And now I'm at four and a half out of five. Um, And and I think that this is a film that does get better with repeat viewings. And also, um, you know, just the more I watch it, the more I like it. Um, I like the scenes that are really good. And there's a lot of them here. Uh, Anna mentioned the scene uh, with the mother of Alex uh, coming to the 
appear after pretty much it seems like right after the funeral uh when everyone is pretty much like celebrating and high-fiving and taking photos with the fake shark and all that shit and she's uh telling uh pretty much telling off uh chief brody uh and the mayor uh, at that time uh that's pretty gut-wrenching i feel like uh especially in the way she speaks and it is a little bit odd uh and that is something i did want to mention and Emily actually pointed this out, and I, I kind of agree that her dialogue is a little weird on screen, which it made me wonder if that dialogue was ripped directly from the book uh, and if that maybe just did not come across uh, the exact same uh, in dialogue on screen as it would in text. Um, so that was, I, I thought, an interesting comment from her and something that made me think about it. And I, I don't know because I've read the book, but... Uh, definitely something to think about. But that scene still, even though the dialogue is a little bit unusual, uh, is fantastic. Uh, a lot of scenes in this are, are wonderful. And it's 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 just a well-done film, a fun movie, uh, especially when you get the differences between the slight comedic moments and the dramatic moments, the stories of, you know, being eaten alive by sharks during, uh, you know, after a submarine gets torpedoed and, um, people's families getting destroyed and people trying to save their economy and save their families. And, um, even the shot of one of Chief Brody's children, um, which is just a really random, you know, kind of medium shot uh, on, on the kid uh, in the middle of the water as he's watching somebody get devoured by the shark uh, and then go into shock is just such a great, simple shot that really uh, does a great job getting across the message it's trying to deliver. So there's a lot here and it's a lot of fun and it's just a really, really well done movie. And it's a four and a half out of five for me uh, for Jaws. So if you, oh, oh, one other thing too. Um, I feel like if this movie had a name like Voyage of a Shark or some shit like that, it definitely would not have landed at least for people like me, uh, if I hadn't known that Jaws was not the name of it. So um, whoever wrote the book or came up with a name, good for them, because, man, <laughs> they nailed this shit. That's like, true, they did. Yeah, like, I, I feel like there's just something about, like, and, you know, you don't have to have a great title to have a, a good story or text or anything like that, but there's some about just the quick and to the point jaws. Like, you know exactly what you're in for when you're going to see this. And, see, I um, thought it was about dentists. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been, uh, been something if people went and expected a shark movie and they got a movie of a guy just performing dental procedures. <laughs> now think about that guy getting tortured by the Nazi dentist. That would have been a different movie. Does anybody remember that movie? The Nazi no. Dentist. What was it? Uh, it's it's like he, he keeps on asking him if it's safe, and I think it's uh uh what's his name uh Robert De not Nero. Uh, Robert De Niro. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Hold, hold on a sec. I really want to know what this is. This man. is really good podcasting. <laughs> Oh, it's from Marathon Man. Ah, <laughs> okay. okay. It's from Marathon uh, Man. Who was the actor? Uh, Dustin Hoffman was the one who was being tortured. But who's the who's the dentist? 
who's the dentist? It is what the fuck? Oh my god! You will not believe this. I probably will. It's Roy Scheider. <laughs> what? No. Wow. No. I love the full circle here. Yeah. Oh my god! It's like it's like I fucking like. Oh my god! It's like playing basketball. What? It's funny because Tucson probably planned this the whole time, and he's just like, "Oh my god, guys!" I didn't. I didn't plan this at all. <laughs> my life is full of spontaneity. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's pretty great, especially because that that really does come full circle because you were asking about whether movies he's been in. You know, actually, it would have been great with him being a. <laughs> Being the Nazi dentist, if he if he's a Nazi dentist, if he's like smile, you son of a bitch. I don't know. (laughs) So Roy Schneider was also on this show in the '90s that was not good, but I mean, it lasted a couple seasons. Um, Sequest DSV. Yeah, that's the underwater uh, station show. Right, it was supposed to be like the same idea as Star Trek, but it takes place underwater. I mean, he was on that, but I think that was like the last mainstream thing he did that got somewhat attention before he passed. Well, Nick, Nick, uh, I know I've talked about this at numerous times with Nick, this film that I'm going to mention, uh, but he does have a fantastic cameo appearance in the Francis Ford Coppola film, The Rainmaker. If and if either of you guys have not seen that, it is fantastic. I forget uh, and, what he plays in that, because I've seen it. But uh, He is the president or CEO of the insurance company who gets pretty much taken off a plane to come and uh, uh, testify in court. Uh, oh, he's okay. forced to read from uh, his journal that he wrote uh, to the jury about what they actually are planning to do for their insurance fraud scheme. Uh, and it is pretty fantastic and it's a really late role for him it's i think maybe like the last film he did before he retired or or two films before he retired i'm not sure but um it's a pretty good performance and actually if anyone's not seen this uh not seen it it's a actually very good film so well he's uh he's in one of my all-time favorite movies which is uh william freakin sorcerer which is very good so did he have a did he have a relationship with William Friedkin then? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they were uh, collaborators in that sense. Um, okay, because there's not a lot of repeat people in William Friedkin. Not that there's not any, but um, he's the one who's been in, I think, the lead in more than one or a lead role. Okay, very good. Well, if anyone out there has any thoughts on Jaws, always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com, or you can also reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at Film Tank Show. Coming up on our next episode, we're going to do our first top six episode in a hot minute, and it's one I am really pumped for because it is super open-ended, and also, too, it is something that I really love, which is the top six best film endings. Um... Man, I'm stoked. Spoilers! Yeah. Well, there's probably going to be some of those, so I think we're going to try to do our best to to rein that in a little bit. 
But at the same time, um, there is going to be some spoilery type things happening, I'm sure, on next week's episode. But I don't know about you guys, but I'm fucking pumped because I love really good film endings. And I know there are so many ways that each of us can go with this. So I am super looking forward to this. Yeah, I think that's my problem right now. I mean, not in a bad way, but is trying to narrow down... Are we talking, which is just for for me to interpret, but are we talking like final scene or like third acts or? So, I mean, I know we probably should be talking about this like off air, but uh, for me, I was thinking it could mean either or like it could either mean like final moment or it could be climactic scene or it could be just the final 20 minutes. I mean, it's pretty It's, it's pretty open to me, and I think that that's going to give us some really unique results. Now, maybe it's going to be terrible, but I, I, I tend to think it's going to be pretty good. Because i got to tell you, i got a list of like 50 that i gotta, <laughs> I got to sift through, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and usually that's like a make it or break it thing for me, for a movie. Like, if the movie could suck, and then if it has a decent ending, I'm like, oh. Yeah, and, 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 and there's, there's just something about a, like a knockout ending, like... Um, one of the films, and I, I don't know if it'll make my top six, but Jaws is on my list of films that have great endings because um, there's just something about the way that this film ends that ties everything together. So um, I think it'll be a lot of fun, and I, I hope uh, everybody will uh, enjoy our episode coming up next week. Anna, as always, thank you very much for, for joining us, and thank you for suggesting Jaws as a film. This was a lot of fun. Um, thank you again so much for having me, and I had a blast too. Like I said, I was surprised you guys didn't do this movie before, but I'm glad to be a part of the episode. Woo! All right, so um, for checking out this episode and any other episode, always check out our website, filmtankshow.com, or you can also find our episodes on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or some other places as well. We're, we're on a lot of uh, the podcast listing services. Just look for Film Tank Show. So, from Anna Bodazadu to Saint Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to us here at Film Tank. We'll be catching up with you next time. <laughs>